Hello and welcome to the Cop Table Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Phillips. Alongside me tonight is my co-host, Dave Curran. Dave has uh, stepped in tonight for Peter Collis, who unfortunately cannot make it. So thanks for stepping in at uh, last minute notice there, Dave. Not at all, Pete. Pleasure to help you out. Delighted to be on the pod. Excellent stuff. Uh, so tonight we're previewing the West Bromwich Albion game at the weekend. On tonight's show, we have Graham Kelly. Graham is a season ticket holder at Anfield and is a host of the Red Room podcast so very warm welcome to the show graham glad to be on pete first time uh, looking forward to it making your debut mate yeah 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 love it but on okay on the west bromwich albion side of things tonight we have joe chapman joe is a sports content curator and digital producer covering all sports across the west midlands for the birmingham mail so very warm welcome to the show to yourself joe evening thank you for having me you're very welcome okay so uh, we're going to get straight into uh, the questions we'll start off with yourself uh, joe sure how impressed have you been with uh, the start to uh, the season that tony pulis's side have made it's probably gone under the radar a little bit uh, so far. There was a lot of anguish among the supporters, and even Pulis himself spoke about it at the end of the transfer window when he didn't really get as many names, or certainly as, as many names as he would have liked. Obviously, Nasser Chadley arrived quite late on, but the deadline day, much was expected, and unfortunately, they, were, they didn't really bear much fruit. They signed Hal robson Carnu, which it felt like a bit of a kind of emergency signing on a free uh, very, very late on on deadline day. Um, and they also signed Alan Nyam as well uh, from Watford, a fullback. So pretty underwhelming all in. And yet so far, after a pretty kind of shaky start, they went out of Northampton in the EFL Cup very early on. And yet they're unbeaten in four now, and they've they've put in some really, really good performances in those last few weeks. Speaking about West Bromwich Albion, Nasser Chadley's one of the players who's been in, in excellent form of late, hasn't he? How he impressed has. have you been in with the, the signing of him from, from Tottenham Hotspur? Yeah, I'll be really honest. I When we signed him, I, I thought... Okay, this could be a very, very uh, kind of useful, useful player. Uh, Thirteen million pounds. He's a club record signing, and I thought, okay, okay, that's that's kind of one part of the uh, the cog, if one cog, you like, if you like, in, in the uh, in the in the machine. And yet, to be honest with you, he's he's completely excelled. He's he's scored goals. He's created for others already. He's already got four goals in four games. So he's he's kind of hit the ground running. And already you can see that kind of quality that he has that most West Brom fans haven't been accustomed to in the last few years. Excellent stuff. Cheers, um, Joe. Okay, over to yourself, Graham. Looking back at last night's last night's game against Manchester United, Jose Mourinho and um, and his team basically, in my opinion, they came for a point and, and frustrated Liverpool, but. In your opinion, what could Jurgen Klopp have done differently, especially in the first half, to make us more more threatening as um, as we have been in previous games? But when you look at previous games, we've set up a little bit differently, haven't we? We've had Wijnaldum, and I'll be honest, I've, I've battered on about this lad because if you look at people like Whelan and Nickel, you know, people said, "Oh, they didn't, you didn't notice them much in the team," um, and they were part of a, you know, it was a, it was the sum of its parts that team. And, and Nickel and Wheeler were, were a very good part of that team. I think Wijnaldum is exactly the same. You don't notice the job he does until he's not there. And I've noticed many a time, you know, when someone pushes up out of position, he's always the one that's dropping in. He's, his game intelligence is massive. So I think we missed him a lot. You know, we missed Lalana. But even though Lalana came on, I've seen everyone go, look, Lalana came on. He's the world saviour. And I like Lalana a hell of a lot. I've defended him a lot in the past when people said he was a myth. We started playing well about five minutes before he came on. Do you know what I mean? I think 
his impetus helped us and his quick feet and stuff like that. Um, you know, putting and I've, I've, I've slated Emery Chan in the past and even last night, but you know, him coming in after such a long period out into such a a, a big fast game and um, didn't suit him at all because he's the sort of lad I think that needs you know five eight games to get his, get into his routine. So uh, what he could have done differently, maybe started Lallana and tried to to close the game off early. Apart from that, I don't see much else we could have done. As you said, Mourinho came for what he got. He's a master at that. Um, and if United fans are happy with that, you know, spending you know the, the best part, the most expensive team in the Premier League, they are, and spending a couple of hundred million in the summer, ninety million pound players to literally come and waste time. You know, my dad stopped going to watch. You know, this is no joke. I know, I know it's quite fitting tonight, but my dad wouldn't watch when we went to play Stoke anymore. Me and my dad used to go home and away. And he wouldn't watch though because he couldn't stand Pulis's way of playing football. He says it was just anti-football. Pulis's teams didn't waste time and all that as much as Mourinho's did last night. It was quite embarrassing. You know, there was one point. What was it? A player went down. And I, I had it in my mind to mention today. A player went down and went to bounce back up, and another United player grabbed him and put him on the floor and said, "You know, take your time and and live it." And he did it. And I just thought, "Fuck you know, you know, It was just so. It was just so cringy because. Whether we like it or not, as Liverpool fans, United have been this juggernaut, this massive gargantuan club who, who, who on the face and don't be. Let's be fair, four four two, attacking football, you know, fast wingers getting the ball in the box, number nine and number ten, you know, playmaker, all that. You know, he, he defined that little bit of a Premier League era. Yesterday must have been, you know, must have been cringeworthy for him, and he's in the crowd when he's there. I'll wish, you know, but. You know, it must have been cringing for him because it was just such anti-anything positive. You know, it was a horrible football. And then to come, you know, we've had the two best chances in the game and 65% possession. OK, I agree in the sense we're having 65% possession. We should be creating more chances and more stuff. I think we sort of froze. And you've seen the real Liverpool in the last, say, 18, 17, 18 minutes, mm. um, you know, and creating them two chances. Them two chances go in against 19 out of 20 keepers. Do you know what I mean? It's just Van, uh, that the guy, he is absolutely unbelievable, as he is in every game against us. Graham, yeah. can, I, can I just ask you, you know, do you think, you know, having been the game last night, and, and this, this is no slight against Sturridge, but he was completely, he was isolated. And it's not his game to hold, you know, to hold the ball up, which was what was required last night. Do you think yeah. it was a case that maybe in hindsight that Klopp might have looked back and gone, I should have gone with Origi? You know, he's a big lad, big strong lad, and would have at least sort of been better protecting that ball whenever it did ping up to him. But he's not in form, is he? Do you know, as an no, oh, I appreciate that. Who's 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 the Sanderigi? Do you know what I mean? I was joking because again, his touch seems off, and he seems a lad that needs three or four games to get into his routine and stuff. I mean, I agree with you. Maybe not play storage and play someone who would give us a, a different option. I don't know who that is. Um, again, I, I take a lot of flack on storage. I think he's a world-class striker, but it's horses for courses. And last night, that game just didn't suit him. Every time Absolutely. he was isolated, and he, he and do you know what? He's he's a confidence player. He lost a lot of heart after you know when he's ten and he's got six players and it's just him. He's losing the ball. After that, he lost a bit of heart, and he's not the type that okay, like Suarez. I'm not playing well. I'll just put myself about. He doesn't do that. Do you know what I mean? So. Um, he, he didn't start. He, he stopped running. He stopped tackling. And I can forgive Sturridge for that because I think he's such an immense player. But, um, I always say if Sturridge was one of them players that was like Suarez and fit for for forty games a season, he wouldn't be at Liverpool because he pays. You know, your, your Real Madrid or your Barcelona. I think he's that good. I don't think he fits in this club side at present. I'd love to see him fit in though. Um, but I agree with you. 
he, he, he Sturridge made no impact last night. And I put that on Twitter and said, you know, I defend him a lot, but I can take him on the chin because a couple of people said, oh, your man Sturridge is doing well. He was absolutely woeful. He, he, in hindsight, he could have done something with that and maybe at the start of the line of person, he tried to get, you know, get at them quickly and try and get a couple of goals or something. And then if he was not fit to complete the game, then you take him off. That's all I'd have done in hindsight. But, you know, we trust Klopp. And, and to be fair, when Rooney came on, I used to think of Liverpool's mental capacity and we'd have lost that game somehow. Do you know what I mean? Somehow we'd have done it for ourselves. But we didn't, and, and we got the draw, and we come away as the better side. And made, and made Mourinho look a bit of a fool with his comments, to be honest. Yeah, just going back to your point on um, Wijnaldum, Graham, the start of his LF- LFC career has, has been very good, hasn't it? it was obviously, we missed him in, in the midfield last night, and he's got a great first touch, hasn't he? And he turns the team around quickly, and something that Emre Chan failed to do last night. Is that something you'd agree with? Oh, oh totally. You know, I, 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 I can't be... Um even with Emery Chan, if you like, because I have slagged him off in the past. I say, I don't think he's the player everyone believes. I think he's had some great games for us, but I don't think he's this worldy. And again, he needs a few games. The lad, this was his first game coming into United. But he, for me, in that position and in that team and in that formation, he's nothing on Wijnaldum in the fact that, you know, and I'm not calling Chan a cheat because he's not. Chan is the first person that will show for a ball. He's brave. Um, he'll have a go. And he, if anything, he's very honest. But with Ronaldo, I just think he's always there as an option. Even if it's in a dangerous position, he can turn with the ball. Um, he can take a ball when someone's on him. Um, he can take it in a tight position. As you say, great first touch. He always knows where the ball's going, trying to push it forwards. He doesn't lose the ball that often. I honestly think at the prices we pay for some of our players, normally we go, well, Lallana, 23 million, that was ridiculous. Lovren, 20 million, that was ridiculous at the time. I think Wijnaldum and Mane, I think we've got, you know, two players. When you look at the sum of, and what everyone played for, paid for everyone. I was getting six million for Smith and 15 million for Ibe and stuff like that. I think we've got ourselves two bargains there, lads, because I think they're both players that address very serious concerns within our team. Excellent stuff. Cheers, Graham. Okay, back over to yourself then, Joe. Once yep. again, there seems to be a, a cloud over Saido Barahino's future at West Bromwich Albion, doesn't it? With rumours of pre-contact agreements with, with Tottenham and poor attitude. And apparently now there's some weight issues with him. It seems he's a consistent problem for West Brom and, and Tony Pulis, isn't he? And do you think he'll possibly leave the club in January? Yeah, he hasn't made the he didn't make the bench on Saturday when you consider the Salah and Rondon who is quite clearly, and, and rightly so, is Albion's number one centre-forward. Considering he's just flown halfway around the world to represent Venezuela uh, a couple of times in the international break, and who looked absolutely knackered the whole 90 minutes that he played on Saturday, the fact that Berahino is not even making the, the bench uh, and the matchday squad tells you quite a lot about where he is at the minute. And I go back to when Alan Irving was in charge, about 2014, and that year, Berahino kept us up single-handedly. He he scored 20 goals in all competitions. I don't think, well, certainly not in my lifetime have I seen a, a, a striker do that for Albion in the Premier League. So, you know, he was a real prospect. He was making full England squad. Uh, and of course, with that kind of thing, when you're a club like West Brom, unfortunately, you don't tend to hold on to those players. They tend to find themselves at at European clubs uh, sooner rather than later. And yet that wasn't the case. West Brom put their foot down, rejected offer after offer from a host of different clubs, Tottenham included. And then, of course, you know, kind of the as the, the, the season ticks on and his form dips, the, the you know, the kind of the potential suitors in, in terms of uh, clubs that are coming in for him, you, you could tell that the quality of those fell down as well. So, you know, the likes of Crystal Palace and Stoke and Watford all of, all of a sudden became the, the possible destinations for him. 
Uh, and in the end, he's still there. You know, the club have, have completely put their foot down and insisted he's not going anywhere. Uh, you know, he's a product of the academy. He's been there since he was 10 years old. And I suppose in that respect, they wouldn't be losing anything by not selling him for a, you know, a hefty fee. Uh, but yeah, the, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he, there's not a chance on earth that he'll be signing a new contract and he could well be looking uh, to move in January indeed, yeah. Yeah, just there always seems to be some sort of something happening in the background with him, doesn't it? He just needs to uh, to focus on his football, really. But another issue for for West Bromwich Albion this Saturday is Johnny Evans has gone and missed the game through uh, mm. suspension. Who do you think is going to come in to to replace him? Well, we had this uh, we had this conversation in the office today. Uh, Johnny Evans has been absolutely outstanding since since he joined for the Albion. I mean, you, you're talking about transfer fees there with Marnie and one Alden. Uh, to get Johnny Evans for six million pounds when you're a club like West Brom, similar, very, very similar to, to the sign of Nasser Charlie. I do think those players could still play for top eight Premier League clubs, and I do really think that, you know you will have occasions where they're kind of almost carrying. Didn't Arsenal offer something like twenty five million for him in the summer? I don't think that I don't think there was ever an offer. There was definitely talk, and uh, Wenger Wenger was uh, was certainly kind of he was on Wenger's shortlist, and and, uh, and he opted for Mustafi instead, who in his own right is a very very good player, of course. But Evans is yeah he's he's brilliant. The amount of fans actually that it made me laugh when you see these Arsenal fans on Twitter and whatnot saying, God, Johnny Evans at Arsenal would be absolutely you know, catastrophic. And you think, well, you, you don't watch him every week. He's better than, I would go as far as saying he's better than Mertesacker. And I, I think, you know, he, he can play for a European team. So the fact that he's missing is, is of course, massive. Uh, we kind of know what the, the, the idea is with Albion at Anfield on Saturday. It will be, you know, we're going to be hard to break down. You know, the set piece is obviously going to be the, the, the one real weapon, I suppose, uh, in, terms of, in terms of scoring ourselves. Uh, so Evans offers, of course, defensive solidity. He offers height. Going to be a big miss. But to, to answer your question, uh, the the really really obvious replacement is Jonas Olsen, who's who's had quite a few decent games against Liverpool in, over the years. You know, he, he uh, I remember watching the one game when Roy. It was Roy's game for the Albion against Dalglish, and it was the first time we'd beaten Liverpool in the Premier League. And he completely dominated Andy Carroll for the whole game. Uh, and then, of course, he scored there last year as well. So. I think he's the obvious one, but at the same time, I'd go as far as saying he's probably also the, the you know, the kind of weakness in our battle line then, because he's, you know, he's another year older, he's his mid thirties now, and as well as McCauley, who's thirty seven this year, it's um, it's it, it's a, it's a defence that can be got at. Excellent stuff. Cheers, Joe. Okay, moving back to to yourself then, Graham. There's been a few uh, critics levelled at, at Loris Carius's performance today from from some quarters, and, and for me, it's a, it's a difficult situation with the goalkeepers with with Simon Mignolet obviously having a decent start to the season, then being dropped. Do you think it's, this is the right time to to keep Loris Carius on, on his learning curve, if you like? And can Liverpool afford to keep doing that by by keep playing him in the Premier League, even though obviously he's far from the finished article? I wouldn't take him out now because then you're just going to kill his confidence, absolutely kill his confidence, which we've done with Mignolet in the past. I think taking him out and putting our sub keepers in who were also rubbish did us no <laughs> favours. No, and I said, you know, at the time I said that I just stick with Mignolet. He was the best of a bad evil, and he's not evil, Jim. He's a really, apparently, he's a really nice guy, a great trainer. You know, you look at him and you wouldn't think, but he had the, in the summer, he had the, the lowest percentage body fat um, at the club. So, um, you know, he's one of them people that's great for the club. and you can tell the class of the man when he was losing his place. You know, his tweets and his interviews were all about, no, it's the team and let's get the, behind the team. Let's get behind Carius. Let's, you know, he's, um, he's a class act. 
I would stick with Carrius just for the simple fact I wouldn't want to destroy his confidence. The thing is with Carrius, I think we've all got to you know realize this is a lad that will never come for the ball. He wasn't signed for that. He wasn't signed to come off his line. He didn't do it in his previous club. It's not what he um, clocks about. He wants him to be a great shot stopper and good on the deck, which he is. You know, um, uh, and I think he's got to get used to this Premier League. If we look at, him, I'm not saying he's the gay or he'll ever be the gay because. For me, I know people will say, oh, you know, I'm wrong because there's other keepers in the world, but I, I rate the gay as the best keeper in the world at the moment. And he had a shocking first season. Do you know what I mean? And he was protected by the club and by Ferguson. And look what's happened there. I'm not saying Carrius will turn into that, but um, if we if we keep doing this chopping and changing and not having any patience with any player or any um, system, we're never going to have success. So for me, you know, you can criticise, but I'd try and protect him if I was Liverpool and if I was Klopp, I'd be having a word with journalists and stuff and Carragher and stuff, not to highlight these things because, you know, it's not going to give him the confidence he needs to be able to learn and adapt to a different culture and a different way of playing football. So it's um, it's one of them where I just stick with him, mate, and just, uh, he is going to make mistakes, but just try and get through it and hopefully we'll end up with a better keeper for it. Do you really feel, Graham? Do you, would you feel like you know? I don't think he's been that bad. I don't. I don't know where all these pelters are coming from. And I think his distribution is miles ahead of Simon yeah. Mignolet. He played sentimental. He's fourteen, didn't he? So you know, he's one of them whereby you can tell no one is deck. He's he's getting it, and he does. You know, the way he pulls, he just cushions the ball like you're cushioning an egg with a hockey stick. You know, he cushions the ball so much different to Mignolet. And I'm not sliding Mignolet off because I think he's had his decent games. Don't get me wrong; he lost cost us a lot of goals the last two seasons. And um, I don't think it is warranted. You know, those first few games he's gonna, and at least he's coming and having a go and. I can forgive that if someone's having a go and stuff like that. It's just if he doesn't learn from it. I don't think he's been that terrible. I just think um, the Premier League's a different a different animal to, you know, I, I watch a little bit of German football now. It's on Sky. I watch a lot of Spain, Spanish football. I'm not one of these people that watches everything unless it's on telly. And because it's on the Sky now, I do watch a bit of it. And it's a different kettle of fish to any other league. It's so much more physical and faster. And um, there's so many more crosses and... It's so much more combative. So he's going to have to put a bit of timber on him, you know, and, and maybe become a bit braver. Not that he hasn't been brave. The chance of getting an elbow in the face and stuff like that. And that's probably what's, you know, he's just not up to speed on it. I, I, again, I just stick with him. I don't you know, I'm not worried about it at all. Lad. No, and I would say that's the first time he's played in a game of that magnitude as well. And that, well, I was going to say intensity, but really there was no intensity. The intensity was zero no. uh, by design, by, by Jose. But, but again, you know, that kind of at an atmosphere that night, you know, the first night of the new stadium under the lights and whatnot, it was a big night for him there as well. And he's got to adapt. There's, you have to give the kid a bit of time to adapt to, to this new surrounding also. I don't think he's been awful. No, no, I think it was Gary. Just being honest, I think it was Gary Neville I'm talking it up. I've seen someone on Twitter slagging off for knowing Ibrahimovic's header. And I don't see, if you watch it back again, because I watched it a few times. I think before. he would have had that covered, Graham. Honestly, I've yeah, seen it two or three times. I think he would have had that covered. Unless it was one of them looping worldies that goes into the old where the stanchion used to be, you know, with the loop it right over. But I don't, I don't see what else he could have done there. You know, either stayed on the line because it would have took something special from that angle to get the header in, you know, to the far side of him. Yeah, I don't. I think people just, you know, people are so worried, and we've, we've got a history, haven't we? Of we haven't had a, a you know, a, a great keeper. You know, even Dudek was um, prone to a mistake. Rainer's first season looking and punching the ball onto um, Andy Johnson's head in the derby and stuff. And, you know, we, 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 we even he was great for us for his first season. His first season was 50-50. They were fantastic for two seasons. But we haven't had someone that's been great for five, six seasons since, you know, 
Hikaropolos and stuff, do you know what I mean? So I think it's one of them whereby we've had Calamity James and we've had the best of world and then we've had Dudek and we've even bought the best young talent in Kirkland and nothing's gone right keeper-wise. So I think we're a bit um, bit, bit scarred by it. And the set-piece situation in it, we, we, we seem to like... I'd, I'd sometimes want them to have a penno rather than have a corner, do you know what I mean? So it's it's one of them whereby I think we're just a little bit scarred as a club, but we just need to be patient with them now. OK, back over to yourself then, Joe. Um, how do you think Tony Pulis is going to line up in this uh, this game? What sort of attack do you use on, on Saturday? Oh, it's going to be free-flowing football and I'd expect them to score four at least. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> it's uh, No, in all honesty, if, um, if we come away with something of a clean sheet, then uh, I think we'll be doing very, very well. He, he probably would like to line up something similar to what uh, Mourinho did last night uh, with, with a different quality of player. One of the lads in the office mentioned to me earlier on today, you know, does it make any difference that Albin have had a couple of days on Liverpool in terms of, you know, preparation for the game? I think, well... That kind of thing, you know, it, it it's kind of it certainly won't hurt us. Probably take it all the all the help you can, and uh, but it, I really, really am struggling to see how Albion could keep Liverpool out uh, on Saturday. It's one of those, you know. I didn't expect anything last year. I was in the away end at Anfield last year, and but for a 96th minute deflected goal, we would have won the game, and I thought we would have deserved it as well. So it's one of those. I mean, it, we played okay against Tottenham. If Ben Foster hadn't had a world-class match, then we'd have been beaten by half-time. But we tend to do okay against the big boys. We tend to surprise even our own supporters because we, we expect to go there and get beat 2-3-4-0. And yet we might surprise, uh, as, I'm, as I alluded to earlier, I think set-piece is the way to go for Albion. I look at the, the, the defence. I mean, you've got Lovren, of course, who's, who's a good size, and Matip's a good size. Throughout the team, other than that, there's not a hell of a lot of height whereas Albion have got height all over the pitch. So, yeah, set-piece would be the way to go. Um, and then it's kind of, you know, just just try and keep Coutinho and Firmino at bay for as long as you can. Joe, do you feel that, you know, obviously, you know, Graham alluded to it there earlier on in the pod, and, you know, Tony Pulis does, you know, he is... No, he's not very well liked, I would say, by Liverpool fans. No, no, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, your perception, you, know, you, you I can look at it from another angle. You, know, you spoke about Johnny Evans there. I'm from Northern Ireland, so I see the benefit of a Johnny Evans. And I also know about negative football because we, we go out not to lose. So I understand that is an aspect of the game, but I'm from a West Brom supporter aspect. You know what? What is the the, the feeling around Pulis? Is he doing a good job there for you? Is he well respected, regardless of what other teams may think? I think it depends on who you talk to. To be honest with you, you know there are some that w- would argue, for example, that what's the point in Premier League football if you can't enjoy it? You know, it, it's kind of like there would be some that would go as far as saying they would take relegation if it meant going back to playing football that we were I able to watch. Someone that says that. I yeah, someone uh, that says, um, yeah, yeah. Is, well, it, is it worth it? You know, it's in, it's entertainment, isn't it? It's supposed to be entertainment. Would you rather be watching, uh, for example, a team like Rafa's Newcastle at the minute? Oh, it's different circumstances there. But you know, to go back to the to the days of Tony Mowbray, for example, um, and even Roberto Di Matteo, we played really, really good football in that respect. Tony Pulis doing a good job. You know, we're, we're still in the top half of the table. I know we're we're only in October, but. When you consider the money spent by some clubs, and you look at the quality of the football in the Premier League, it's not it's not too bad at this moment in time. We've got of course yourselves on Saturday, and then we host Man City, and then we we go to Leicester as well. So the next few weeks will be quite interesting to see where we are. I think it will be a better kind of meter stick, I suppose. Uh, you know, trying to measure it where we're going to be in the next few weeks. But yeah, I, I personally, I, I still want to see a better brand of football. I think the players like Johnny Evans, Nasser Chadley, uh, Salomon Rondon. 
And even the players at Rory, the club players like James Morrison and Chris Brunt, who have been accustomed to playing good football, you know, I think the tools are there to an extent. I don't think we're expecting Bournemouth-style football, but just, you know, kind of the next level up, I suppose. Something that something similar to what he was able to produce at Crystal Palace and, and still getting the results that he is because, you know, it's it's as an adage as old as time in football is that Tony Pudis, you know, he'll keep you up. Looking at some of the teams in the Premier League this season, I don't think we'll have a problem, but, you know, it, it's just how can we move Albion on now? How can we move them away from just aiming for 40 points every season? It's a tough one because, you know, we finished eighth a few years ago. In fact, we finished one place behind Liverpool um, about three years ago, largely down to uh, Romelu Lukaku. But, you know, it, really, it's kind of how do you maintain that level? I don't think we're expecting Europe football every week, every every season. But, you know, it, it's it's kind of like we're just staying adrift at the minute. Um, and, and a lot of fans are kind of the way it is with football at the minute, with the money and all the rest of it, um, would like to see kind of a little bit more ambition, I suppose. Excellent stuff. Cheers, Joe. OK, lads, um, what we're going to do now is head over to our quiz part of the show. Five questions each. Dave, I've got the both sets of questions here because obviously uh, I would have sent them to Peter, but he's not doing it. So you uh, you can keep scores if you don't mind there, Dav. Not at all. Excellent stuff. Uh, while Liverpool's the home team, I'm going to get the first question to Graham and then obviously on to Joe. Right then, Graham, your first question is... Last season, who was Liverpool's leading goal scorer in all competitions from Philip Coutinho, Roberto Firmino or Daniel Sturridge? Ooh, I'll go Firmino. It's actually Daniel Sturridge with the with thirteen oh, yeah. in all competitions. I thought, yeah. too in, I thought he was injured too much last season. <laughs> yeah, Firmino was eleven and uh, Coutinho twelve, so it was pretty close. Yeah. Okay. First question for yourself, Joe. In the Premier League last season, who scored the most goals for West Brom? This is just in the Premier League only. From mm. Craig Gardner, Craig Dawson, or James Morrison? Wow. That's a question. Uh, no, Morrison was out until, well, from January up until the end of the season, in which point uh, Craig Gardner netted a couple. It's not quite numbers like 16 and 12 and, uh, and 13, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to go Craig Dawson. Craig Dawson is the correct answer. He got uh, he got four goals, yeah. Uh, mm. Gardner, three, and Morrison, three. So that's, uh, that's one zero, isn't it? To Joe. Okay, then. Graham, from which team did Liverpool sign midfielder Emre Chan? Was it Bayer Leverkusen? It's the correct answer, yeah. Well done, Graham. <laughs> Next one for yourself on similar lines, Joe, is from which club did West Bromwich Albion sign Solomon Rondon? Uh, oh, I've got to have a moment to get this right now because we signed one from Russia and then we signed Brian Day from, I think it was Ukraine. I think he was from Russia, Rondon. I'm going to go Zenit St. Petersburg. It's a very good answer. It was Zenit St. Petersburg, yeah. So that's 2-1. that right, Dave? That's correct. 2-1 to the away team. Right. Fair question for yourself, Graham. Which international team does Liverpool goalkeeper, actually out on loan at the moment, Danny Ward, represent? Oh, Danny Ward. Is he on to... Is he Huddersfield? Yeah, we're just after his international team, Graham. Oh, Wales, Wales, sorry, Wales. Yeah, that's the correct answer. Well done. Another one, uh, international uh, themed one for yourself now, Joe. 
Which international team does Victor Anichibi represent? Uh, Big Vic is from uh, Nigeria. The correct answer. Well done. Okay, fourth question for yourself, Graham. In all competitions last season for Liverpool, who made the most appearances from James Milner, Simon Mignolet or Nathaniel Klein? I'll go Klein. It's actually Simon Mignolet with 55. Whoa. Yeah, Klein 52 and Milner uh, twice as well. Oh. 44. <laughs> I know, yeah, matches, I was surprised reading that one when I was doing the questions today. Yeah, 55 in all, in all competitions. So, scores on the door, one. Dave. Yeah, Joe needs this one to, to, to take it. He hasn't. He's three in a row. Graham only has the two. Right. Okay then. In the one-all draw last season at the Hawthorns, Joe, who scored the opening goal for West Bromwich Albion? Uh, oh, cast my mind back now. I'm trying to remember when it was. Um, I think I know this. I'm trying to remember when it was. <laughs> oh, Rondon. Oh no. Did you say Solomon Rondon? Yeah, Salomon Rondo, last game of the season, wasn't it? Yeah. It's the correct answer, yeah. Very good answer. I don't answer. mind them winning that as long as we win the game on Saturday. That's usually the way we'll I'll take that. Out. <laughs> we'll all take that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unbelievably, <laughs> nine times out of ten. Yeah, that's it. If, if you if you look back over previous podcasts, uh, it usually works out the one who, who wins the quiz, loses the game, unfortunately, Joe. It's, it's <laughs> see, a I'd, see, I'd, re- I'd, re- I'd, researched, I'd researched that and done it on purpose. anyway Graham we'll see if you've got the last one same game who scored the equalising goal for Liverpool at the Hawthorns last season oh Jesus Christ Um... I think it was like very towards the the last game of the season was it Joe it was the very last game yeah yeah being honest I think I'd phased it out so I was uh, too focused on going going away uh, going to to Basel I I, I don't know I'll go Coutinho it's Jordan Ibe was he yeah Cut in from the wing. It was actually mm. a, a decent it's a great goal. goal. Mm, it's a great yeah. goal. Much changed Liverpool team that day, wasn't it? It was. A lot of kids. Yeah. Right. Okay. Just before we um, before we end the podcast, lads, what we do is we play either an unsigned band or an unsigned artist from um, somebody who gets in touch with us on the on the Twitter this weekend. I get a band called In Sulks from the the Sheffield area has been in touch with us this weekend. Ask us will we play their track? So just a little bit about them before I play the song. In Sulks. They channel low-fi punk vibes through stylish reverbed guitars, backed by an upbeat ska-influenced rhythm section, breathing new life into the indie alternative music genre. So the song I'm going to play for you tonight is called Machine Girl by In Sulks. Second of February, only 12 more long days to go. Darling, my heart hangs heavy, I reckon that we couldn't make it, you know. Side, I'd know she, she. 
Okay, thanks very much to Graham Kelly and thanks very much to Joe Chapman for joining us on the the Cop Table preview of the West Bromwich Albion game at Anfield this coming Saturday. Hope you lads enjoyed the show and uh, you'll come back on in the future. And Joe, definitely have you back on for the for the return fixture if that's okay with yourself. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, thank you very much for having me. You're very welcome, and thanks very much to Dave for stepping in at short notice. Ah, oh, great fun, Pete. Anytime. You know, I'm always here. Excellent stuff, Dave. Okay, so that's the cop table preview of the West Bromwich Albion game. All done. Thanks very much for listening and good night. Of the glory.